Hey guys, you want to hear a little joke? I do. Okay. Um, did you know my grandfather has the heart of a lion? No. He also has a lifetime ban from the National Zoo, which is <laughs> <laughs> a bit awkward. It's, it's better. It's better. All right. Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan. I'm Tim. And with us today is Tyrone Shum, host of the number one property podcast on iTunes, mm. uh, Property Investory. Tyrone, How you going? Welcome. Good, thanks. Thanks, Tim and Dan for having me on the podcast. I'm excited to be here and, and <laughs> love, love your intro and your jokes too. So thanks so much. <laughs> well, you're going to love this, Tim. What, what is the Tim and Dan if we sat next to each other because we were doing this virtually, I'd probably be just fly, flying off my chair right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'd probably hear this big conk going, what the <laughs> Tyrone, this is what we meant by how when we get podcasts, it's like we're drunk on podcasting. Yeah. Because <laughs> we go from giving someone business or tax advice and then we start singing songs. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, how has your week been? Tim, what have you been up to? Uh, it, we were meant to um, go to Byron Bay on the weekend then, but we got washed out. We did. We did. Uh, shout out to, to Kurt and Mel. Uh, yeah. and it was meant to be their wedding, uh, but unfortunately postponed mm. due to the rains. Yeah, so Tyro and our friends... They were actually meant to get married in Byron Bay last October or September. Mm. They had to cancel that one because of COVID. And uh, then they were, they were slated to get married last weekend at Byron Bay and then, yeah, flooding. So, oh, I'm sorry. It's not meant to be there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> You've got to be questioning it pretty seriously at that point. <laughs> no, they're a lovely couple. <laughs> they'll, yeah. they'll get through it. I meant to be mean, but it was just funny. <laughs> 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 There's something going horribly wrong there. Uh, yes. So. Yes, we were meant to be in Byron. So what did you do instead? Okay, so um, look, it gave me a bit of extra time. Um, so other than working, I, um, a big part for us when we go away is, is our dog, our fur baby. We have mm. to look after her. So I got to take her for a walk on the beach, which was nice. Nice. And have you guys ever, I don't know, do you have a dog, Tyrone? Or... I used to have a dog, but yeah. when having two kids, it's very unmanageable. Oh, it's not, not a child. <laughs> oh my god! Well, maybe maybe uh, you've done this when you've taken the kids to the beach. Um, Dora doesn't usually like poo at the beach for some reason. She's like a nervous pooer. Anyway, she did this time we were there. I put down my coffee cup in the sand, which mm. is like a Frank Green coffee cup. I paid fifty dollars for it. I'm yeah. a tight ass. Mm. That's a lot of money. It's a quality cup, though. So so anyway, I put that down, picked up the poo. And we've walked 30 minutes back to the car park. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Where's my coffee cup? Oh, no. Because <laughs> I had something in my hand. I had the, do- the, the poo bag. <laughs> so, so you had to walk all the way back along the beach. I ran. I ran along the beach then. <laughs> and I had to run on the soft sand as well. Oh, because no. that's where the cup was. I just didn't know exactly where it was. It was just somewhere along the beach so safe to say i get a good workout Did that you morning find the cup i found it good on you we're all good mm. i wasn't gonna let it go so <laughs> that's, how, that's 
luckily it wasn't a trade-off of poo versus a cup. So <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> yeah. That would be quite disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's, that's my update this yeah. week. What's nice. been happening for you guys? Well, uh, I also didn't go to Byron <laughs> and uh, I used that time instead. I felt sort of bad about this is I used a lot of the weekend to plan my wedding. Oh, nice. Yeah, we got <laughs> suits. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'm getting married. The, the listeners know, but but Tyrone, you don't know this. I'm getting married in about a month's time. So, um, yeah, I spent the time. We went out and Tim's a groomsman. So yeah. we went and tried on some suits to make sure uh, they were there. Mm. I don't know if you know this, Tim, but we got the last three in the uh, country. Oh, Can you believe that, awesome. Tyrone? Are you an organized sort of guy that you'd have suits like six months out? Or are you the sort of guy that goes to the shops a month out from mm. the wedding? Uh, to get I, I, I'm the month out kind of guy. Yeah. Too. <laughs> I did that for my wedding too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's even better than that though. We were going to a different shop altogether yeah. that Dan didn't realize had closed, closed down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're the best timing, guys. <laughs> So, so um, yeah, yeah, we're kind of a death knock for suit shops. Yeah, Dan's wedding, anyway. But uh, yeah, so we got that organised, which was which was good. I kind of figured men's suits are the easiest thing to organise and get. If I can organise the rest of the wedding first, you know, cat's wedding dress, bridesmaids dresses, mm. photographers, videographers, venues, food, all the crazy stuff you got to organise. That's the important stuff. Mm. A suit, I could walk into a shop and have a suit tomorrow. Yeah, turns out. Wasn't Can't. as easy as that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tyrone, but, uh, are you married, yeah. Tyrone? Or? I am. I'm married with two kids. Oh, yes. very nice. nice. Do you have any uh, tips for Dan for the wedding day or for just uh, marriage? Marriage and life in general? <laughs> well, our wedding was very different, let's put it. Okay. Um, we didn't get married in the usual way for the first time. I got married twice, I'll tell you. Okay. Oh, uh, we, ma- we got married first time in Bali. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. Kind of eloping. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so we, we had that kind of special thing. We initially cool. actually planned and invited all our family to come to Bali, but for some reason, we just couldn't get everyone all together on that same mm, date. So we said, stuff this, we'll go there, enjoy, have a great time and, nice. and do that. And, you know, if you're getting married for the first time, which <laughs> I hope that'll be the last time as well, <laughs> um, try that. It's actually quite, quite fun. Because nice. what I'll tell you is that when we had our second wedding, it was more for the family. Mm, and nice. I think every single couple knows that the, the wedding is actually more for the family. It's yeah. not really for you because you don't really get to enjoy the day. I can tell you, you're literally scoffing through down, yeah. try and make sure you make that time, go for the photo shoot, True. stand behind this, do that. Everyone's instructed you to do this, wants to say hello. By the end of the day, you're like, man, I just had a full-time work. I'm exhausted. So true. Yeah. So true. It is intense. It is, it is so intense. intense. I mean, it's a lovely day. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's mostly for, you know, the family, I think. And yeah. that's the reason why we, we were lucky we had those two planned in place that when nice. we actually had our proper, when we had our, our first wedding, it was just us. It was just the moment between nice. the two of us and we could really, really enjoy it and capture the moment. Uh, would have been I, I do awesome. remember very clearly the second wedding, but it was very, very chaotic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is exactly why I've waited 15 years to get married. <laughs> <laughs> with me and my partner. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the romance is gone. It's not special anymore. It's just, <laughs> it's always for everyone. Hey, yeah. Don't don't give your vows away. So oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love, Tyro, that you refer to your weddings as your first and second wedding. That's, yeah. that's brilliant too. <laughs> yeah, my dad got married twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not remarried. No, yeah, yeah that's so good. <laughs> Uh, that's good. That's, that's some good insight. That's classic. So, Tyrone, uh, so yeah, how's your week been? You've been you've been busy. You've been 
doing a lot oh. of podcasting? What have you been doing? Yeah, it's it's been really, really busy. I, I think I'll have to just sort of frame it, what's been happening since last year because the business that I'm in, um, we, we help a lot of investors achieve fantastic returns from investing into property. Mm, and I, I guess it just hasn't stopped because typically December and January time are usually the quiet months for us. Um, during December and January of last year and January this year and even leading up to February, um, it's been the biggest months for us in terms wow. of actually offering all these opportunities and, and, you know, I guess a lot of people selling on these and so forth. Yeah. So it has been extremely busy. And, and even now um, I've been extremely, extremely busy trying to just manage all the deal flow that's coming through, uh, hire new staff as well. Wow. It, it's, it's been fantastic and phenomenally, but it's taking a lot of my time because as you know, running any business requires training, requires yeah. support to your new staff member putting in new systems in place to help them and support them and so forth. So yeah. that's that's pretty much my week in a nutshell. Wow. Uh, besides that, yeah, family stuff always on the go. Once you have more kids or have kids, yeah. <laughs> I say, it, it, it's, it's nonstop back and forth, picking them up from school, taking them to activities, playing with them. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Lego, by the way. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Time with the kids building Lego sets. So. <laughs> that's awesome. Do you watch uh, Lego Masters? I actually love that show. I, I love loved how it too. just comes in with his yeah. you know, really, really funny side of it. I haven't watched it recently, but when I first watched it, I just got absolutely hooked. So yeah, yeah. I, I my, came to it. My son should be the next Lego master. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Should go on it with your son. <laughs> I don't think I'm that good. I think my son's probably going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. He can just send you to the brick pit to go get bricks for him and just keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Good idea. Good yeah. idea. I think that's that's nice that you've shared that with us because um, in business, I think it's very easy to lose sight of the fact that um, when things are going well, um, you, you're really just hoping to do a good job for your customers. So that's mm. probably where you're at, I guess. Like you're feeling a bit of that like growing pain of um, yes. just trying to keep everything in control and systemized and delivering on expectations. Um, that, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's it's the key thing is is to trust people as well too. Because I know when I reflect back on how my father's business ran, because I, I helped him as well to yeah, grow right. that business, and he did have staff, but the challenge was that he did everything himself, yeah, and, yeah. and that was the biggest part of it. And he's got a very specialist skill set that not many people even have today, which right. is the reason why he was very reliant on him. Yeah. Without he, him in the business you didn't really have a business at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah. that, that made it difficult. Whereas for me, I, I've made sure I've ensured I've delegated a lot of the stuff that I used to do. And nice. my stuff isn't really that hard. It's quite a systemized process. You yeah. have some, you know, checklists in place. You, you make sure you have, you know, a good software to be able to track what's going on, the deal yeah. flow and so forth. And the criteria process is pretty much the same every time. Yeah. If you go out of that, then obviously there's going to cause a lot of problems, which is why I think if you systemize the business, take yourself out of it, then you can create yourself a lifestyle type of business, yeah. which is ultimately what you know we've been talking about as well in a, in a recent podcast. Yeah, definitely. then you can actually have freedom to do more things things that you love. That's so awesome. I totally understand where you guys are going from because yeah, systemizing is you know bringing new staff and so yeah. forth is growing pains. And yeah, it's only going to be short term, but long term I can see there's a huge benefit in that. Yeah, and and that's the difference that's really between cool. ha having an asset and and you know mm. giving yourself a job sort of thing. You know, sure. you know, there's mm. some businesses that do rely on your own skill and and just you, and that's really you you've created a job for yourself. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you're creating systems and employees and other people that can be doing it, you're leveraging that and you're creating an asset that mm. you can eventually yep. sell that will outlive you. Yep. Uh, and that's that's, that's cool. the difference between those two things. Yeah, for mm. sure. I love it. So I, I imagine yeah. Tyrone and. 
um, you know, I almost feel like we're doing a brewing of business here. So yeah, we, we, can, we can get Tyrone back yeah, for we this. Should, yeah. I want to learn more about his business. But um, <laughs> um, but I imagine you're spending a large proportion of your week just actually working on your business rather than in it now. Is that kind of yeah, where you're at? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, like a lot of times is really just speaking to clients, speaking with brokers and so forth like that and just being sort of the front of it. Mm. Obviously, the podcast that's that's been going for many, many years now and a lot of it's systemized as we've kind of discussed in the past yeah. um the, the the key thing is you know focusing on what's going to deliver the number one result and you know if you've got your goal set then you go okay what are my main activities i need to do for yeah. the business and then yeah. let everyone else do it and and i think what i've learned over running a business and also hiring staff is you just got to be patient with finding the right person mm. because once you find that person who's a star in your business you want to keep them forever because yeah. <laughs> i've been through and i've hired a lot of people and i found some people you know no offense to them yeah that they just sound good on paper but when they actually comes to the crunch to do the work they just don't have that i guess um passion and drive and knowledge that we have Mm, where you find the right person who's so dedicated and supportive and even just lets you know you know they need to go to to an appointment but they'll come back and do an extra hour of work because they're so dedicated to business they're the keepers (laughs) yeah absolutely the a graders i love it yep the a graders so it's the superstars that i I try to look out for and it takes a while you know you don't don't expect to find them within a week or two yeah some of these people have spent at least three to four months looking for them yeah definitely once you find them they really, really make a difference to your business and you just go support them as much as you can, and which is what I'm doing right now. That's really cool. I think a lot of business, it's good for business owners to hear that mm. because um, you think being in business is delivering services or products, but actually you end up just doing a lot of working on your business mm. and mm. that shouldn't be a bad thing. It should, you should almost benchmark yourself to that. Yeah. How can I improve the business? So yeah, that's that's cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. All right, Tim. Business update business sponsored update. by Cats Accountants. Thank you, Cats Accountants. Thanks, Cats. Yeah, thanks us <laughs> for sponsoring this. We're, the reason we do that, uh, Tyrone, is because uh, we used to completely forget to mention the fact that we do own an accounting firm. We're spending all this time doing a podcast. We should probably uh, say Cats sponsors it. So we always say Cats sponsors the business update. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Um, (laughs) So, Tim, what have we got? Okay. So, this is about the budget. Uh, The budget. We are very keen for the budget this year. It is um, earlier than normal. It's on the 29th of March, and that is because it is an election year. Mm, So, mark it in your calendars, people. This is is the day. We may even host a live Zoom event. Yeah. We we recently acquired a bottle of whiskey Mm. for for said event, or is it bourbon? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're going to be making whiskey <laughs> sours, Tyrone. They're our yeah. favorite. So um, so that night we're going to uh, stream. And anyway, CPA Australia have made a submission. So mm-hmm. it's always interesting to know what these bodies are sort of putting forward to government and requesting in the budget. Mm. We're CPAs. So um, so mm. these guys are... Uh, Meant to be representing, representing us. Representing us. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so their number one thing... Um, basically is that they, they're worried the economy may catch long COVID unless the government <laughs> provides support for business Clever. in the 2023 Australian federal budget. Mm. Uh, so some of their ideas are um, support for digital transformation. Mm. According to the CPA, um, Australian small businesses have one of the lowest levels of digital adoption in the Asia Pacific. Wow. How crazy is that? Mm. That's terrible. Wow. It's no good. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's about competing on the global scale Mm. and, and, um, 
Apparently, other APAC governments have implemented ambitious programs to build small business digital capability, and we must too. Well, how many Agreed. how many times have we, you know, a client has come on board from us? They've been established for a while. They might be coming from an older school accountant over to us. And just some small changes we've helped them make, even just like changing to different softwares and, and upgrading some of the things that they do. <laughs> zero. Re- yeah, zero. <laughs> uh, re- revolutionizes their life. Yeah. And there's so many times I've heard people turn around and like, hey, I used to spend hours doing this stuff yeah, and, yeah. and now I have my Saturdays back. True. It's about efficiency. It's about efficiency. Which, yeah. When there's a labor shortage, mm. which there is right now in Australia, that's an important thing. Well, so, point well, two. Point number two. Yeah. Oh, here we go. It increased the skilled labor pool. So, skill shortages were an issue in Australia well before the pandemic. Mm. Um, we need to increase the size of the skilled labor pool. This is absolutely true. We've experienced this. Mm. So, that means highly subsidized training places in areas with the greatest skills needs. Mm. Um, don't know. I don't know what those areas are, mm. but I, it's it's obvious so we need to do that uh back off on new regulatory requirements oh is this like e-invoicing and <laughs> yeah. those types of things so yeah there's a lot lot of regulatory changes on hold um mm. and the cpa is suggesting that now is not the time to play catch up mm. um totally agree yeah everyone's been through so much over the last few years adding new hoops to jump through mm. is not going to help I don't know. Um, I guess, Tyrone, you've probably seen some change in like the lending space. And mm. um, I don't know. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, to be honest, um, if it wasn't for COVID, <laughs> we wouldn't be in the space we are now. It, yeah, it's, it opened yeah. up a gap in the market, yeah, which right. was really, really challenging back then. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later on when mm. we go into a little bit more of the topic of it. But That's that interesting. actually allowed us to be able to jump into a market that I didn't realize yeah, had a, a big gap in it. Because That's brilliant. As you know, the banks and large institutions are just very slow. There's a lot of political yeah. red tape. There's mm. just slowness in, in getting people to do things. And there's a lot of paperwork, which is why we want to go digital, Yeah, uh, which, you know, forces them, unfortunately, to take sometimes loans to process anywhere between six to eight to even up to 12 weeks. And <sighs> I remember my last one that I did, it, it took me months. And I almost just gave up because it just took so long that's crazy Whereas, you know if you if you're nimble and fast like we are in the private industry you yeah. can get something turned around within two weeks and people are happy because that's they, don't, they get their money and then they can move on with their projects and yeah. not lose money so Absolutely. the last thing you need is new regulatory requirements yeah but, um, but yeah. that is interesting how you can turn that into an opportunity so that i like that um number four was access to business advice Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I guess they're talking about here, the government providing financial incentives in the form of a voucher or a grant, um, so that small businesses can get access to advice from a trusted advisor. I think, no, I'm obviously biased. Uh, I think that's a great idea because so many people need support right now. Uh, not a lot of people can always afford the cost of doing it. Mm. And there are programs out there like business connect, uh, and, and these other programs, However, they're often not run by qualified mm. advisors either. Mm. Uh, a lot of the time, they're, they're people who uh, either don't have experience <laughs> doing it or, or they, yeah. they've worked in small business themselves and they get this advisory yeah. kind of title. Yeah. Um, but if it's you already have that... Tender, re- yeah, really. it's whoever wins the tender. But if yeah. you already have a relationship with an advisor, an accountant, a business coach, whoever it is that, mm. that you're getting your advice from... Um, wouldn't it be great if you could get more help from them? Yeah. Yeah. 
market. And then the last one is economic transformation trumps debt repayment. So mm. this is really interesting. So Tyrone, we actually had an economist on the podcast in the last few weeks. And this was something he discussed that um, paying or getting back into uh, surplus in our budget is actually not that important. Um, after World War II, apparently that was the approach Australia took. Let's yeah. just grow the economy and the size of that debt becomes will far less. Just seem in comparison. Yeah. Um, tiny. So, so that's what they're suggesting here. We have uh, an yeah, aging population and climate change. We need to prioritize economic transformation. Can I ask what would happen then if we didn't have a surplus? Because ultimately surpluses help us reduce our debt. But if we keep piling up our debt, yeah. that's going to be worse well, for our economy, isn't it? I think I think it was more that we, you do want a surplus, but the size of the debt isn't the problem. So yeah. as long as the economy kept getting bigger and GDP kept getting bigger, but as long as your debt didn't increase in the same proportion then uh, in compared to the size of our GDP, you know, if, if right now the debt's just pulling a number out of my hat is 10%, but then just because GDP doubles, it becomes 5%, then it's less of a problem already. And yeah. you didn't even approach that. You didn't even do anything to, even to reduce it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's sort of like leveraging debt for property, yeah. really. <laughs> um, and if that property, if your stock of property grows in value, the debt is a lower percentage and, and you're better off. So, yes. um, but... Um, what we need to do in the economy is find ways to grow our economy faster than our uh, than other nations. Mm. So that may mean investing in new technology or renewables or yeah, funding more trained skills. Yeah. Um, so interesting. That's yeah. good, Tim. Yeah. We'll we'll go into some more detail on that. Maybe uh, approaching budget night, we might do a, a preview episode before Love we it. do a live uh, a live chat with everybody. All right. Do you have a tight ass tip? Yeah. So tight ass tip. This is the moment everyone waits for mm. every episode, Tyrone. Um, so uh, t- today's tight ass tip. <laughs> You're already laughing at it. I wrote it down. Uh, it's been raining a lot lately. Mm. And today's tight ass tip is wash your car in the rain. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> you said this to me the other day and I, I pulled you back on it yeah, because I said. You, you weren't a big fan. Rain's full of dirt. <laughs> and your car gets dirty when it rains. That's why when everyone washes their car and then it rains, they're like, oh, I just washed that. I thought it about, gets dirty. I thought about this, Dan. Yeah. Is it the rain that's dirty or is it the fact that you're driving around getting dust on your car and then a little bit of water makes it appear dirtier? No, there's dirt in no. the rain. No, there's, <laughs> there's not. There's no way. No. All right. <laughs> so, look, my car was pretty dirty. I got out there. It was already wet. Mm. I didn't need to wet it down. Mm. As a start. So you just soaped up. I just soaped it up. Mm. And then I didn't really need to wet it off either at the mm. end. Also, one of the worst parts of washing your car is drying it. Mm. I didn't have to worry about that. that There's no point. And it yeah. still looked so much cleaner. So I, I could see this if the car was really dirty already. And then he just wanted to like get rid of some of the bigger problems by yeah. soaping it up. I could see this working in that specific circumstance. Yeah. Do you know, I, I was this close to taking a photo of myself. I got drenched in the rain the other day. I was this close to taking it because Tyrone, one of Tim's previous Tardust tips is shower when it rains. So, so this is this is almost a part B. Yeah. Oh, that was one of my pros, the washing yeah. car in the rain. You also got a shower. You get to, you get to have a shower. So I, I was this oh close gosh, to taking a photo and uh, po- posting it online and saying, oh, just living the Tardust tips. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm the same, Dan. I got yeah. caught in the rain yesterday. Yeah. I was wearing like hiking boots. Yeah. And they're waterproof. So it was like taking off buckets of water when yeah. I took off my shoes. <laughs> I, I emptied them out. Ooh. And um, there was just so much water in there. Anyway. Classic. Yeah, you do get to have a shower when you're mm. washing your car in the rain. It's very positive. Mm. Well, that's a good one. That'll save people <laughs> cents. <laughs> yes. Depends how much you value your time, Dan. Mm. It's time. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's move on to our to our main topic, and that is, uh, you know, we're talking about the changes in in the world at the moment, and mm. there could be a need for alternative strategies for your property investments, and so that's what we're here to talk to Tyrant about today. Yeah, is is what are these future alternative strategies? Uh, you know, you you brought this topic up, yeah. and I'm very intrigued to uh, to dive into it. So so let's start with. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, actually, yeah, before we get into that, actually, sorry, Tyrone, give us a little bit of a background as to why property is, is so important to you. And, yeah, and, actually, that's a good and, idea. Yeah, let's just start with a bit of context here. What is your history in property and and, um, sure. and how have you come up with these alternative strategies? Awesome. Mm. Well, thanks so much, guys, for inviting me to the podcast and, and sharing this as well. I, I guess maybe to, to sort of give you a bit of a background behind property and, mm. and where I came from was maybe to tell you a little story behind it because that might sort of just give you an insight yeah. into it. Cool. Um, as you know, and as Dan and, and Tim have said, you know, I've got the number one property podcast on iTunes and yeah. we interviewed a lot of property investors and property developers from all walks of life, from people who have just gone from, you know, zero to multi-million dollar property portfolios, rags and riches stories to oh, wow. multi-billion dollar property developers who I think a lot of you may have already heard in the news previously and uh, they share their story. It, it's, it's fascinating because everyone has a different walk of life mm. and what it comes back down to when I interview and find out about more about the story is that a lot of them all put their money back into property being a, a very solid asset that mm. can generate some um, good returns. You know, that, that's how a lot of successful, I guess you can say, um, wealthy individuals yeah. own property. And if you look at the top BR, BRW review, um, yeah, that's the top 100 majority of them are property developers. Yeah, you know, wow. that, you know, that, so it goes to show that you make money and that the most wealthy individuals make a lot of money through property. Mm. And Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Porter has said that as well too, multiple occasions throughout his books. Yeah. But to give you a bit of a background behind where I got started in my journey in, in terms of property was, I guess when I grew up, my, my parents um, or my father in particular just bought properties um, to, to live in and uh, we at a very young age uh, he started showing me what he was doing in terms of the renovating I don't think he knew at that time because when he was just buying the property to live in as our principal place of residence mm. he would just naturally go in and, and tinker and renovate it and yeah. add value to a property and all through my life growing up he did that like every single property I remember we, we bought one that I was in there when I was very, very young as a child going to primary school. Then during um, high school as well, we moved again because we needed a bigger place because we had more kids. So like yeah. my family doubled in size within a couple of years from wow. two to four kids. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously we needed a bigger home from that. Um, sure. and, and, and that that kind of happened very, very quickly. And when we moved, the first thing dad started doing was to renovate the house. It, it just yeah. never stopped. I was like, wow, you know, into it again. <laughs> <laughs> was that something um, your dad had a skill in? So he was a builder by trade or? No, he wasn't a builder by trade, but he was very, very good with his hands and yeah, he just nice. loved getting on the tools. So naturally he taught me how to do the tools because obviously I'm a little bit like slave labor. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Hold this for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean like, you know, 
Sun, sun's doing all the work while yeah. I just watch it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah. I, I can remember sometimes I had back, back breaking times where literally he'd get tons and tons of soil and I literally have to dig that, that soil <laughs> and put it into wheelbarrow and wheelbarrow to the backyard and pour it in. And you, You've just triggered trauma memories for me of my dad doing the same thing. Just just like, oh, hey, Dan, we've got a, we've got a driveway full of mulch and uh, here's a wheelbarrow and a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, that, that's only one of the stories. But yeah. Smart. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was very, very interesting to see that. And um, I guess it was also, to, he, he had a few tradies doing certain things, um, you know, had a few electricians come in to rewire, add some lights on, change switches. Uh, he had painters come in to paint the house and so forth. So it wasn't obviously just only ourselves doing it, but, you know, he wanted whoever had a spare helping hand and it was available, he'd, he'd get us on site to help him with the house. Mm. And it was really, really interesting because you learn a lot during that stage and you don't think about it as a kid. Go, oh, you know, that's just doing the renovate. I hate it and I don't want to do yeah. it because it's just so tiring. But when you look back in hindsight, and this is where I've learned from my journey, is that um, every successful, I guess, property investor or I guess developer has added value. It doesn't have to be necessarily renovation, but they've done some kind of add value to a property to be able to increase its value. Interesting. Now you can you can wait through capital growth and even if dad didn't do renovations on those properties, it would have doubled in value anyway after about yeah. 10 years. Yeah. But what was interesting was by adding what it is and change the street, streetscape because we were the first in that particular street to render the house. And in a sense, wow. we did it. Every other house down the street just copied us. Wow. <laughs> Oh, great. And, and that, that was interesting because it also uplifted the value of all the properties yeah. in the street and therefore increased the values of every every house in the area, which Far made out. it more of a prestigious. So just by looking at that, um, I, I learned that you can actually just simply by doing simple things and getting the right tradespeople, you can increase the value. And that's yeah. where my journey kind of started. That's cool. And <laughs> one thing though, I vowed not to be on the tours again after all those experiences. Nice. <laughs> you, you had a concept of how to do them all and that you didn't want to do them ever again. <laughs> That's exactly right. Which is why I've never never had to pick up a tool since then. <laughs> nice. Uh, I've always called a tradesperson, even for rental properties, I would not bother going out and changing a hot water tap or whatever it is. I'd nice. just say, hey, you guys just send the tradesperson out to get it fixed. There's no mm. way I'll do it. Uh, our, t- our tool is a pen. Where we are, we are pen pushers. Yeah, that's that's what we do. And mics as well. That's that's yeah. our tools. And mics, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, growing up, I I had a lot of exposure to property in some shape or form, and cool. I guess what happened was, Dad also purchased two empty blocks of land, and I knew he was planning to build on those two blocks of land, which would have started our development journey. And I was in a very, very well-known suburb called Strathfield. Now, I'm not sure if you know where, where Strathfield yep. is in, in Sydney. Yeah. But yeah. right now, it's an extremely, extremely expensive suburb and a yeah. very affluent suburb. Now, I wish Dad kept those two properties where he bought the land for three fifty each. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, they'd probably be worth multi-million dollars. But oh he, he sold them to, yeah. to, to buy our family home in another location up in Gladesfield. Yeah, and, cool. and, you know, glad he did because those properties itself were worth a lot. Yeah. And... It just kept happening every every so often. He just, you know, we'd, we'd upgrade, get bigger homes. And he got to the point where he was just buying more and more property. Yeah. And I, I, I sort of watched and saw some of the things he did. Um, and, and because I also saw some of the mistakes he made, I yeah. learned from those and, you know, cool. started my property journey as well too. Yeah. 
And I thought the one thing that I would do differently to how my dad was, was probably educate myself. Mm. And and that's kind of where I started on this journey of learning a lot more, getting involved in courses, speaking to mentors and, you know, eventually started my podcast because I was... I was hungry to get more information because you wonder, you know, how these people have done it so successfully. Yeah. All you really have to do is follow their plan, find out what they've done and yeah. just model off them. You don't have to be copying exactly what it is, but you find the ones that work out, you know, very similar to what you want to do. Yeah, nice. And that, that's kind of what I did, you know, over that period of time. Now, how the podcast started and how I, I kind of eventuated into where I landed yeah. was going back about oh, 2017, I was working in a large manufacturing company, just driving to work day in, day out, um, and really, really enjoying my job at that point in time. But the challenge I faced was that I was hitting a limit. I couldn't earn any more because Mm. the next position I could go up was to my boss's position, and he's been there for 22 years, so I don't think he'd be leaving anytime (laughs) soon. (laughs) Unless there was a workplace accident or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't say that I did that. So. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That mysterious workplace accident of Tyrone's work in 2017 has been solved. Yeah. <laughs> Nerdy face resolve. Yeah. So, yeah, during that time, I was driving to work, listening to a lot of property podcasts, and I thought, how can I actually get out of what I'm doing and, and earn a lot more income? Because yeah. the other way was to jump into another job and start again and work up, you know, the, the yeah, ladder. Yeah, wow. And um, it kind of led me to listen to all these well-known um, property experts, but also these successful property investors. And they talked a lot about how to buy property, where to buy property and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. it missed out on the why. Why do they jump into yeah. property? Mm. And it was this story part that was missing. And, mm. and that's where I felt like I would resonate a lot better because I just want to hear people's journey. Because yeah. if there's a strong why behind it, you know, why they actually did what they did mm. it helps them overcome their biggest challenges because any person's journey ha- is faced usually with challenges True. even for yourself like running a business and myself yeah. with one as well too it's every day there isn't one challenge at all you know yeah. you're down to have one but yeah. what is it that pushes you through those challenges to be able to continue to keep working through and, and you know succeed 100%. and yeah. it's the why behind it you know the reason why I, I run the podcast why it helps so many people achieve what they want to do is because i want to impact and, and pass this on future generations because once you've achieved the income that you need or the money that you leave and you have all your lifestyle set up there's not really much more to chasing more than more money but nice, you know yeah. that, that, that's the end goal yeah, There's no just, point doing that. It just doesn't end. World domination is that really the end <laughs> yeah. goal? That's all. That's all it is. <laughs> no, but I, I, I'm loving everything you're saying because it that's really matches to resonates. how yeah it resonates to how we like to um, talk to everyone who listens to this podcast and how we like to run our own business. Is yeah. it's very much about why are you doing what you're doing? What's the end goal? What's the plan? What's the lifestyle that you're trying yeah. to live? And can your assets, in in your case, property, and in our case, people's businesses. Yeah. Uh, provide that lifestyle that they're trying to do and then figure out how to get there. But And then once you're there, well, then you've done it. You, what, what, you know, unless unless you've got a new goal, yeah. uh, you don't need to, to have world domination. Mm, yeah. You just need to have the goals reach that you're trying to hit. Well, yeah, because, I mean, otherwise you could just keep going, mm. but you'll never be happy because you don't mm. know what drives your happiness anyway. Mm. You think it's owning more properties or building more wealth, but it may not be that. So, yeah, I love that. I love that you've 
Uh, that is, I think, a very different spin in property mm. to many other people who sort of make it a bit more glitzy and glamorous and, and all about the rich side of things mm. or the richness mm. that can that can come from it. So, I like that. I like that it, you, yeah. you're going back to stories and people's purposes and why they, why they did it. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's made a huge impact in my life and I'm, I'm sure many listeners out there who have been listening to my podcast for a while have said the same thing as well because they come to me and say they love the podcast and because they like the stories, mm. whether it be, you know, someone who's just a young teenager who's just bought, you know, maybe one or two, inspires yeah. them to take action. Mm. Whereas you hear all these really successful property developers with multi-million dollar de- developments and mm. making hundreds and hundreds of million dollars a year, you know, <laughs> just from a development. It's glamorous, but what yeah. does it mean? Yeah, at the end of the day? definitely. So, I'm, I'm looking forward just... to all the feedback you get about people being inspired by my journey <laughs> <laughs> on your podcast yeah, of not owning like, a property. We're yeah, on Tyro's yeah. podcast as well. Yeah. Yours was a great story. Don't forget, you know, guys, go hop on and listen to it when it comes out. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely agree with you on that side because the stories are important. And mm. I think coming back to why I started was because I was looking for that. I was earning to try mm. and hope that someone start the podcast. And I just procrastinated for literally a year and didn't do anything because yeah. I thought, oh, someone's going to do it. You know, eventually someone's going to catch on and realize there's no, none of these kind of things. Mm. But no one did it. <laughs> so I thought, all right, I'll bite the bullet. I, I had initially selfish reasons because mm. I wanted to reach out to these property experts and all these other people who are successful and learn mm. from them, you know, and ask them questions because to get hold of these people were going to be a challenge. You know, I'd have to attend their seminars. I'd have to pay for their services, et cetera. Mm. We're, we're better where I could actually just feature them on the podcast and share their stories and, you know, share with the world and, and provide a lot mm. of impact. So it was a win-win for them, for us, you know, and the listeners as well. And it's brought many, many benefits, not only to them, but, you know, for our listeners as well. And that's kind of where, where that journey started with a podcast. And then it, it pretty much turned into, I guess, a lot of followers were hearing my journey because I do share a little bit about my journey on the podcast as well, on yeah. the, you know, property investing and property development and so mm. forth. And I started finding opportunities that would actually allow us to be able to look into more like um, high returns. Because when you look at and, and read more books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki, it's, he, one key component that resonated with me was to look at how you can actually use the compounding effect. Yeah. Because mm. over time, if you actually compound something starting from, say, you know, $1 and you compounded it every day rather than getting a million dollars on the first day, you know, I can't remember the exact amount, but you probably ask yourself, which one would you take first? One that is starting a dollar and compounding for one day over, say, a period of 90 days, or would you prefer a million dollars right now? Mm, well, I mean, I'm going to say a million dollars right now, but I think that might be the wrong answer, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then I think you're right, Tim. <laughs> um, if you compound it, it's some ridiculous number, like $6 million or something like that wow. you know, from memory. Yeah, because well, of the compounding effect. Yeah. And we, we that's often, what I've seen. Sorry, we, we often talk about this in, in business as well, about yeah. when we're setting goals and actions, and it's those small little tiny changes every day that lead to big changes in your business. Incremental change leads to big change. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're resonating again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
So that that was the key thing that I learned. And I thought, all right, how can I go and find opportunities that would give me, you know, at least 10% per annum return on, on an investment? Mm-hmm. So that way I could just put it in passively. And then every year I just keep reinvesting that 10% that yep. I've got on the capital. Mm-hmm. And I looked everywhere. I could not find it. Yeah. <laughs> you think to yourself, wow, you know, where are these investments? Where are these opportunities? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was only looking in Australia in particular because that's yeah. where my funds were. I'm sure yeah. it's, it's available all in the US, you know, day in, day out. But yeah. I didn't have an opportunity opportunity to be able to look at same bank account in the US, go mm. there and have look opportunities. True. So I couldn't find it. And, and the average rate of return was through property like a 5% yield, maybe mm. 6% yield sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial property, you might get an 8% maximum 10% yield. Wow. And that's gross. Mm. After yeah. you deduct all the expenses exactly. and taxes and whatnot, you're left maybe between 1% and 3% or maybe at most 5% in a yeah. commercial property. Wow. And you go, wow, this is hard yeah. <laughs> especially when, when property prices keep increasing and this is what's been happening over the last decade plus yeah. prices of property have doubled so much i mean mm. i remember when i used to um live around the north rider area we we're able yeah. to to look at buying property for about 550 average price of a house yep. a three-bedroom four-bedroom house over there yeah um nowadays looking in ride you won't be able to even pick up one for less than 1.5 mil wow. mm. yeah. so <laughs> you go wow you know and, and even the return on that back then i think it was like Four hundred dollars, three fifty a week for for rent. Now you're paying about five hundred, max six hundred a week. I'm mm. actually more. Sorry, probably about eight hundred dollars a week for a house like that. Yeah, and it hasn't gone up in line with how I guess the yield. Has yes, been. the value of the property um, yeah. has increased more than the rent as a percentage. Rent. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Mm. And, and then you go and question, okay. If I am going to be starting from today to buy property, especially when they're averaging $1 million to $1.5 million across, say, those metropolitan suburbs like Sydney Metro, yep. Melbourne Metro, et cetera, how am I going to be able to build a portfolio <laughs> yeah. just like you know how people have done in the past with buy and hold strategies? It's it's yeah. near impossible. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it is not impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but mm. it's pretty near impossible because once yep. you buy one, your service capacity goes down. Yep. You know, you got to earn more money to find a deposit. Yeah, true. And, and, you know, the cycle just doesn't end from there. And then you're stuck with a huge mortgage or debt true. to start off with. And if interest rates so, rise or, you rise. know, you go off that interest only loan payment, then all of a sudden you're losing money from your weekly dis- um, disposable income. So that also sucks too. You're sacrificing lifestyle mm. to, to grow something that may be worth more in 10 to 20 years. So, yeah. Yep. Yep, yeah. and spot on. And, and and that's why I just start looking at it and go, wow, it's not really feasible to go and buy, say, $10 million worth of property to generate, say, a 5% yield on it. Yeah. And even if you have to spend and go buy $10 million, you have to wait another 10 to 20 years to, to hold on to those properties for the double in value. Yeah. And on top of that, service those properties. I don't think a lot of people can afford to do that at this point in time. No. So you kind of question, okay, if I'm to have to have a goal set, say, you know, I want a comfortable lifestyle at $10 million worth of properties with a, say a 3% yield return, yeah. which mm. will give me about 300,000 a year, yeah. then how am I going to be able to achieve that if yeah. I don't have, you know, servicing and I don't have yeah. you know, access to all that capital right now? And I thought, well, there's got to be other opportunities. So I start looking at alternative property strategies, which is where I, I kind of nice. tapped into this alternative space. And, and started finding deals that were returning between 20 and 30% per annum. Wow. Wow. <laughs> these, well, where have these deals been? Have they guys been hiding on the rock yeah. or something? Yeah. They've been there all along, um, but it's structured differently. Okay. And this is where I didn't realize once I started looking into this space that there was a, a big gap in the market. 
um, because of COVID as well too. It accelerated us to jump into this. So wow. in the last 18 months or so, I've been helping a lot of clients, investors from the podcast who've reached out to me, seeing what I've done and just asked, you know, to be joining part of what I've done to invest into these opportunities. And they're getting, as I said, anywhere between 20 to 30% return on, on their capital Whoa. secured against property. And I was that like, was amazing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So I think that's the, the biggest challenge that people face is that it's hard to find a particular property at this point in time, an investment property that stacks up the numbers. It's yeah. good for growth, you know, yeah. good for wealth building, but you're not guaranteeing unless you had a crystal ball knowing yeah. what's going to happen. Exactly. And people are looking for cash flow because ultimately you don't want to be holding onto these last assets and not have something to be able to pay down the debt. Definitely. So that's why I started looking into this alternative space so that way I could find ways of being able to sort of fuel the capital I guess from my portfolio yes. and inject more cash. So I've got, you know, property myself, mm. but I've also got these alternative investments, which, you know, I've got, got substantial amount in there that's generating, as I said, between 20, 30% per annual return, Jeez. which in itself provides a nice steady income, which, you know, can fund a lifestyle, can do so many things. And I guess it's really understanding why, because people go, wow, that's high return. That must mean it's high risk. But in actual fact, if you actually look at the numbers and, and you do your due diligence and your homework and understand what the concepts are behind it, then really it, it's very minimal risk. And it's actually wow. a lot safer than putting money into the share market as an example. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, okay. So we set the So you, you've, you've the peaked the interest. Yeah. yeah. I'm super interested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the verge of saying, take my money. But, uh, but, I, <laughs> but I am really interested to know, like, how did you, how did you find this opportunity? So I'll tell you the backstory behind, and this will probably reveal how it's done as well, cool. which is important to know because I'm pretty sure people are going, how's he do it? What, yeah. what, what is this? Yeah. So back in 2019, around yeah, April 2019, I went into a joint venture partnership with another developer to develop a, a, a block. You know, we went and bought this large block of land and subdivide one into two. Yeah. Simple subdivision, and it was just a let's say derelict house at the front, sure, <laughs> which yeah. required a lot of TLC. So yeah. we did that. We, we pretty much gutted it inside the structures, renovated it nicely, and was ready to put it on the market. That process was supposed to take about nine to 12 months. Um, about, by about the ninth month mark, we had the property ready to go because it was fully renovated. It was just waiting for council to finish the subdivision papers nice. and come back to us. Mm, um, good that luck. took another three months or so, <laughs> <laughs> which was a pain. Classic but council. as you probably realize, um, April 2020 was when COVID hit. Oh. Mm. Yeah, and that, that's the, 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 the sad thing about that was because we were anticipating to make, say, an extra 100K on top of the profit that we had prior yeah. to COVID. And yeah. because the market was steaming hot, we were anticipating to sell it down pretty easily. Mm. As soon as April hit, which is when our property was just come on the market, it just felt like crickets. No, no one responded no. to the ads, there's yeah. no one. And unfortunately, that particular property um, just sat there. Unfortunately, we had to take off the market for a few times and, and didn't get sold until about 12 months later in April 2021. There you go. Yeah. So that was my real first foray into development of a subdivision one yep. into as a joint venture. And that lasted 24 months. I didn't make any money at all. Hmm. Big learning lessons. The investor who put their money into this deal, who was funding the property, got their money back at a fixed return. Yeah. So. You can already see, you know, mm. if you actually just put your money in there at a fixed return, there's a greater chance that you would get your money back because yeah. as developers, I, I just said, look, no matter what happens, if we make a loss, we'll still pay you back what we yeah. agreed upon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, luckily, I wasn't just involved in one deal. I had multiple deals running at the same time. Okay. So this second deal that I invested into was down in Victoria, Roville, and it was a one into four lot subdivision. 
And um, it was around about November 2019. Yeah. And um, that was going really well. This particular developer had already fully funded the project, so had no issues with money. Mm. But what happened was one of their relatives or his, his sister-in-law passed away so suddenly. It just happened. And she had been already invested into that project. He felt it wasn't right to take the money and use that money whilst the deceased was, you know, happening. So yeah. she returned all those funds that she put in back to the family so they can, you know, do what they need to do. Yeah. And that meant they held short, you know, of about 230000 mm. And that's where he came and reached out to me and said, hey, Tyron, would you like to invest into this? Put your money in here. Um, 230000 for, I think it was like 15 or 20% per annum. Can't remember yep. the exact figures, but around that figure. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, yeah, sure. You know, I go in with one other investor and we put our money in there. And remember, in this point, I wasn't doing any work. I was just only putting my money in as a lender. I wasn't actually helping with painting, wasn't helping renovations, submitting documents to accounts, et cetera. This was all on the developer. Now, interestingly enough, six months later, he came back to me and said, hey, Tyron, and this was literally April 2020 again (laughs) when COVID hit. And I thought, man, what's this other news I'm going to get? On the he said to me, no, good news for you, man. I've got a developer who wants to actually refinance you out and pay you out, you know, what we agreed upon. Uh, I said, oh, wow, that's fantastic. I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't nice. know what's going to happen with COVID. Yeah. And, and true to his word, it happened all in April. We got paid out. I got actually the full amount that I was promised for 12 months in six months with my interest. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic because, you wow. know, I never had to touch anything. I didn't have to worry about the headaches of the developer and so forth. Yeah. And that kind of, introduced me to the world of, I guess, lending, yeah, <laughs> become wow. the bank. Mm. Wow. And then essentially what was happening was I was actually just lending some funds to the developer for a short term period to be able to help them get to the next stage. Because when we got refinanced out, that was basically getting a construction loan and that mm. construction loan helped them build the property. Hey, and yeah. usually sometimes the developer might have a bit of a gap between say selling of a property yeah. all the way to construction. It usually takes about four to six months to get construction finance because yeah. they need to get all the reports from engineers, yep. all the finance organized, etc. Yeah. And um, it's that little gap that we're filling in the market. And hence the reason why we're able to get a good return because for them, the developer is getting a small loan for short term. Mm. For us, we're getting a higher rate of return, yep. but it doesn't impact their project hugely because it might add an extra 1% or 2% margin on them. There you go. So I've kind of revealed the secret sauce. That's brilliant. <laughs> you, found it, you found a gap in the market. It's, it's still property and it, you're still <laughs> leveraging the growth and value of property, which is yes. why people are borrowing from you. Um, yeah, that's that's fascinating. There you go. It is. Mm. And, and the good thing about it is there's so many investors out there with a lot of capital, just like myself. I had a lot of equity in my property and I wanted to go back to the bank to draw the equity out. But yeah. it took so long yeah. to be able to get that process. And by the time I got it, I'm already losing opportunity costs as yes. you reinvest that money somewhere else. Yeah. So I said, um, you know, stuff the banks. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to go find other opportunities. And that's what I did. I took a lot of the capital I had, even though like the bank's, a few times had rejected me because they said that I didn't have enough servicing, but I had a lot of capital available. Yeah. Mm. I didn't want to let sit there dormant. And, you know, when you're talking about a million dollars worth of capital sitting there dormant, you know, doing mm. nothing, yeah. it's a bit you know, annoying yeah. because you're not earning thing or you're maybe earning 1% interest on that. Yes. So yeah. That's you're losing I, money, I really, when there's inflation. You're losing money. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And that's what we've done with a lot of investors. The same thing. A lot of other investors have said the same thing to me. And, and hence the reason why they like this opportunity because one, they can actually deploy their capital rather than mm. let it just sit in the bank. 
and two, diversify what they're doing because their portfolio, yes, is generating income, but it's mm. not enough to be able to sort of fund whatever else they're doing, especially at a, like yeah. maybe a five percent return. Yeah. When you're getting like twenty or thirty percent, you pay maybe three percent max back to the bank, and you keep the rest and you use it to pay you know whatever down you want or use yeah, it for your lifestyle. Yeah. And we just kept turning these over and. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what's happened over the last, say, 18 months. We've, we've done quite a lot of deals, about $15 million in the tune of, and wow. um, it's helped a lot of investors like myself do it. And, and this awesome. is the thing, I won't usually share deals unless I um, have invested in them myself yeah. or you know, I would do it myself because I don't like to go into things without knowing what's happening. So that's yeah. the reason why I'm very, very familiar with this because I've done already multiple of these, done about 12 yeah. of wow. these deals already over wow. the last 18 months myself so there you go so uh, immediately a few questions come to mind uh the first one is is you hear about property developments going bad occasionally Mm. and what's the risk there is is there a worry that they go under and 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 you Mm. don't get your your mate like what's 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 your process to to vet any risk out of that part of it absolutely yeah it's it's a it's a great question i get asked that all, all the time because Ultimately, it, it's our money. You know, it's my money I'm putting there. I'm yeah. not just going to just really, literally just lend it to anyone else. Mm. You know, the key thing is that when we're doing all our due diligence, we, we have a very, very thorough process to do our due diligence. Mm. We go through and check all the criteria and make sure that they actually meet certain criteria. For us, the key thing is the sponsor. You know, have they got a strong proven track record firstly? Have mm. they done developments, you know, more than just one or two? Yeah. You know, if, if a developer says, this is my first project, I need some money. Obviously, I'm not going to be <laughs> yeah. lending to them at this point in time because I need that track record. But yeah. a lot of the, the developers we've worked with and a lot of the brokers who have worked with these developers have had a strong track record, you know, usually That's... at least five years worth of developments. And they they show us, you know, in their mm. books and so forth. Yeah. And a lot of them have really amazing um, portfolio of developments that have succeeded as well. Yeah. So that that's key for us is that checking out their experience um, I'm not going to say, you know, any developer could go bust any day. You know, mm. It depends on oh, what yeah. happens. But the thing is, is even if they do go go in administration or bankrupt or whatever happens, we still have the security, which is the mm. key component here. Mm. So if we took the developer out of the picture and we actually took security and, and register mortgage, which is what we do over yeah. these properties, as long as there's plenty of equity in there, you know, we try to leverage no more than say 80% into these developments yeah. and we have a buffer of up to say half a million dollars of equity in there, yeah. mm. which covers anything potentially that could happen like legal fees, sales costs and mm. whatnot. Then we feel at ease and comfortable with that. And as long as those assets are in very, very good high demand areas, mm. such as metropolitan cities, yeah. then we feel that the risk is, is pretty much mitigated in that sense because even if we have to, you know, put this, property on the market fire so even 10 percent, which is very mm. unlikely mm. Um, because you, you know you'll have people fighting over good blocks like these yeah then uh you know, we'll most likely be able to sell it as is and we get official valuations coming in on the as is value and also as complete values so we kind of know the difference between yeah. you know the increase so most of them already have DAs on approve and with the da approval you kind of go okay well it's going to be valued at that much you work out the cost you work backwards and you go okay this property is going to be valued at this much with mm. this amount of equity yeah. and you just basically assess it on the asset wow. so that gives us a lot of reassurance that when we do our due diligence if those assets match those criteria then we would continue our, our further due diligence if they don't i straight away flick them and i'll tell you like in the last yeah. two weeks i've had about close to nine to ten deals sent across to us and i've had to decline a lot of them because wow. they just don't match those criteria there you go when we do find that one that does match right i'll go ahead and that's and, exciting and, yeah. yeah yeah that's really wow. cool uh, I, I love that the 
you know, <laughs> you, you kind of laid out the case earlier that, you know, he, here's the problem with the property market at the moment. Here's, yeah. here's why I wasn't getting the return. And I don't think it's going to be, you know, for yeah. me at the moment, but here's a gap that I found. And it just, just from a business perspective, I, I love that idea. Yeah, you approached it like a business. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. It is a business, man. I mean, yeah. everything you look at from, from that point of view, I guess you've got to find from a commercial perspective because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people are not going to do these things for nothing. And if you yeah. if you go in there with a the mindset that, oh, you know, I'm just doing for fun and, you know, it's going to make a little bit of money, you won't succeed. Mm. And you've got to actually treat it as a business because you want it to do it well and properly. You know, yeah. you've got to make sure you have a good team backing behind you, good systems mm. in place to check your due diligence. If yeah. you just go in there as like a hobby and I'll just have a look and go, oh, I think I like that deal. Yeah. I emotionally think that's going to be great. It's not going to work because yeah. you're putting emotions into it. We're very much simple numbers and you just yes. go, okay, does this deal stack up? No, if it doesn't work out numbers-wise, then you flick it and move on to the next one. Wow. So, yeah, it, it, I know it sounds a bit harsh in that sense when I say it that way, but it, no, it, it is yeah. the reality of life because yeah. there's so many people who brought property that have emotionally got involved yes. into it yes. and then mm. go, oh, I potentially could renovate that. I could potentially yes. get value by adding a granny flat. Yeah. And then when they go through and do the d- further DD later down the track when they bought it yeah. and they find that they can't do it, they're mm. stuck. Yeah, and, and that's not where you want to be in that position at the it's end not. of the day. No, definitely. I think I feel like I'm having an aha moment here. And on Tyrone's <laughs> podcast, we're talking about aha moments. Yeah, yeah we were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's your is, aha moment? Well, I've just never heard of this before. This is, this, this is groundbreaking There's, for me. There are other things you can do in yeah, property. Is I, just, I mean, I knew. I, I guess I knew that existed in, mm. in in property development, but I suppose what you're doing there is really you're cutting out the banks. And you're offering mm. um, you're offering funds a bit easier and more quickly yep. to developers. Yep. So that's right. You're differentiating is in there, the property development game. That's what you're doing. Yeah, and and imagine this. What, what's the regulation around this, if any? Is is the hoops you're having to jump through that are that are a pain, or, or was it you know literally as straightforward as, as you're saying? You know, they need money. We lend them. We 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 uh, register our interest over their property, and and that's it. Yeah, so everything's done all legitimately mm. through a lawyer. Um, he drafts all the loan agreements, all the funds that are transacted all done through his trust account. And, mm. you know, we work with a couple of lawyers as well too, just, you know, to spread the load for whatever reason. Yes. Um, but no, I mean, at the point in time, at this current point in time, we are also um, regulated by the AFS, uh, Australian ASIC, which is ASIC. Mm. And yeah. we're actually going through this process right now to get our AFSL license as well too. Nice. So because of the fact that, you know, we're dealing with a larger volume now. Yeah. So, you know, I've had a lot of um, discussions with lawyers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully by the time we probably come on to potentially in the future, another podcast, I could yeah. probably share all that journey. But yeah, it's 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 part of the, the things like as you organically grow, because we never anticipate it to grow this yeah. large. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it, that's all just part of the regulations. But initially it, it started off just being, okay, you know, I'm happy to go into this deal with, you know, another investor. We, we basically register our entity. So mm. it's not like we set up a brand new trust or we set up a new company to go and register. We register individually on the yep. mortgage. Yep. And at the end of the, the term, which is usually six months or 12 months, we just pay it out and then, you know, interest is dispersed and we just keep it really simple. So mm. nice. So, yeah, well, I think what I really like about this is, is you know, going all the way back to the beginning, you, you started with your why. Yeah. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm. Am I investing in property because it's the gang ho thing to be doing and, and I think I'm going to make millions or should I step back and think about, all right, what am I actually want? What am I trying to achieve? Does this actually get me that result? Yeah. 
and then you know you you decided it doesn't but maybe this thing does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I really yeah. love that because we talk about this in our business all the time. We talk about, and we mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's all about trying to match what your business can do for you and what you're trying to achieve to what you actually want to achieve personally in your lifestyle, in your family, in your money or in your yeah. wealth, whatever it is that you're trying to do. So I think you've, you've really clearly demonstrated <laughs> that uh, what you were doing yeah. didn't match what you were trying to achieve. So you pivoted a bit. And you found a gap. And I think that's that's amazing. And so as cool. Tim said, you know, you've created an aha moment that there's still new things to try and find. Yeah. There's still new things out there and areas in which you can invest opportunities. and opportunities and create businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that's brilliant. And how do people, like, is this, can people get into this um, if, if they're not really coming from a background? Of investing well, in yeah, that, mm. that's the interesting thing about this is that um, we, we do have a pre-qualification process. It's actually, you know, you have to go into a wait list, you have to apply for it and so forth because it's not, you know, suitable for everyone. Yeah. Um, as you probably know, as accountants, most of the type of great investments are offered for wholesale and sophisticated investors. Mm. This is deemed as one of those at this point in time yeah. because... Um, yeah. You know, you've got to meet certain criteria, you've got certain requirements. But once you reach that level, there are ample amount of opportunities. And this is where, I guess, over time, when you start learning about all these things, there's a reason why they're only exclusive for, you know, people earning a certain amount of mm. income or have a certain amount of asset basis because they're more sophisticated and understand mm. these. And, and typically, you know, we, we get you know, investors with at least half a million dollars worth of capital available. They've got a property portfolio, you know, yep. generating nice income, keeping yep. them... Um, happy and so forth but they just need to turn that over to generate some additional cash yeah. so that mm. way they can either use it to fund their passive income or yes. to actually pay down some debt and this is a nice accelerator way to do it because the fact is is that you can either sit on the sideline and wait 10 years 20 years for your capital growth of your property yep. and then by the end of 20 years whenever that happens you sell down the assets pay down your debt and then you get your passive income mm. but you know who has 20 years to wait yeah to do that? you know I, I know i'm not going to be sitting around for 20 years because it'll be my kids by then when you think about that there's got to be a faster way and i'm not yeah. saying you know this is an overnight success thing this is taking me a while to actually build up yeah. but if you look at it from say a, a five to seven year time frame which is what i'm sort of projecting out at the moment I think this is a much faster way to be able to build up solid capital if yeah. that's where the stage you are in your property journey. Because yeah. as we know, as most property investors talk about, is there's usually three stages. The first stage is about capitalizing, you know, right. build up lots and lots of capital yeah. to be able to, you know, have that asset base there. Then the next stage is to optimize and increase the cash flow so forth. Yep. And then the final stage is to generate that cash flow, that passive income yeah. to be able to live off as well. So yep. if this is the stage that you're looking at, you're needing to build up lots of um, capital, whether it be buying more property, buying more assets and so forth, then this is another opportunity to be able to do that. And you know, for myself, over the last 18 months, as I mentioned, I've, I've got about a million dollars deployed out there generating a nice chunk of cash. And all wow. I'm doing is every time the interest comes back in, when it matures, I just reinvest it again and it wow. just keeps capitalizing. And you can imagine what happens after capitalizing on that or compounding, I should say, over yeah. the next say, two or three years. You, you literally don't even need to buy more property. You just have that as your capital base and you just keep going. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, brilliant. It's just a different way of looking and that's why this is a great alternative strategy to think about because yeah. the old adage, in my opinion, of buying and holding doesn't necessarily work. I'm yeah. not saying don't go down that path. I still recommend still buying property, yep. but you've got to be strategic about how you go about it because once you tie up your capital into property, it's very hard to get it out and, yeah. and the challenge is 
you know, there's a lot of cost involved in selling. There's a lot of cost in, you know, trying to mm. get money out of that, especially yeah. equity. And you got to wait as well with the capital growth. And, you know, what goes up has to sort of come back down with yeah. the, the, the markets. And yeah. I've seen it already probably three times in my lifetime. And every single time when the market peaks, it will drop back a little bit. Yeah. And then it just plateaus out for many years until yeah. it just takes its next you know, peak again. Mm. And is so, there still opportunities during those years doing this method? Do you believe? I think there is. I mean, yeah. the, the main thing is as long as the asset of the um, mm. property that developers have purchased and, and using, and because, you know, property development is going on all the time. Exactly. There's always demand, especially when you look at the overall economy. Yeah. When the borders open up, for for example, down the track, when immigrants can come back into Australia and yeah. overseas, um, our, our supply will probably come to a particular shortage, which means mm. they'll require a lot of developers to develop mm. more stock. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, they'll need quickly to get those funding. And banks yeah. are just too slow to, to act on these things at this point in time. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That is great. I mean, it, it, when you put it that way, you're really like removing the risk of requiring capital growth anyway um, because you're just requiring them to complete the development <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and pay right. the loan. Um, well, not even complete the development. The bank to just, yeah, refinance. Just get a loan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get a loan, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. How did you, and yeah. sorry, sorry to jump back. How did you find that first opportunity with that uh, de- developer down in Melbourne? How, how did yeah, you come across it, that? It, 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 yeah, it was just by luck because <laughs> this is the funny thing we talked about luck in the last yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> swings, it all swings um, around, it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it comes all around. It, it was, I, I have a very good relationship with my property coach. So she's the one who has in the past referred me business to or referred me contacts yeah. to do um, development joint venture type of deals. And she mm. was the one who referred me to that one down in Roeville. Yeah. And, and that's where it started. It was like, oh, if I can do one of these and I find more of these type of developers or brokers, then basically, you know, I just keep repeating that same process, rinse and repeat. And then I guess the second time around was actually through another friend referral who was saying to me, you know, I got this deal that looks amazing. And I thought, wow, you know, I'll I'll take a look at it. And it turned out really, really good. And um, at that point in time, because he was saying, look, you know, I've got a lot of these kind of deals coming through, but I don't have any funding for it, like private investors. And I said, well, I've got a podcast. There's a lot of people interested in these type of deals. (laughs) Aren't we? You know, join hands and, yeah. and you know that, and, and and that's how I built up a lot of relationships with new brokers and so forth. But that you know, that, that's how they kind of brought that, and, and it's really you know contacts and, and building those relationships. Now it's not something that happened overnight. It took yeah. you know now to where I am, eighteen months later. But yeah. those relationships are so so important because once they know that you can fund these deals successfully, yeah. they want to keep sending more of these to you. Oh it just doesn't stop. It's almost like crowdfunding. It's uh, yeah. yeah, super interesting. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, and I'm fascinated by it. Because uh, you know, yeah. To be honest, guys, we're amongst friends here. I hate the banks. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate them. <laughs> and so this is this is this is really improving things. Mm. Um, yeah, All, I'm a big yeah, fan I mean, of this. If you if you have a look at how the banks do their sort of application process and go through their approval process, they do everything based on servicing. And yeah. if you understand that the, the model is basically getting a monthly payment to pay down the asset yeah. over 30 30 year loan yeah it's actually very inefficient because mm. anything can happen in 30 years time yeah. um but that for them they just take a little margin clip and if they do that in volume yeah. that's enough you know to, yeah. to have their bank um succeed True. but for us we're only doing you know a certain amount of deals 
not a large volume of it, but the thing is, is that it's quality deals. And mm. most of the time developers are getting paid at the end of paying the interest at the end. And for us, it's just like, you know, come in for six months and get out in six months wow. and, and it mitigates the risk. Because as I, as, as I told you in my first part of the story where I went in with a joint venture of a developer yeah. that went for 24 months mm. and I didn't make any money out of that, yeah. it wasn't guaranteed that I was going to make money because I'm relying on sales. Yeah. Whereas here, once you've got a loan agreement, you're not, you're locked in. You're not, That's, you know, able to, wow. and as long as you've done your numbers and the developer has enough profit in a deal, then you know that they're going to be able to pay the loan back. Brilliant. That's great. I love this. Mm, yeah. I think it's the, the one thing it's inspired me to do is just to think differently about yeah. everything. Not, not, yeah. not just property, but is there gaps in, mm. in other markets and other mm. things that you could be, you're not thinking about or there's a gap somewhere. Yeah. I think it's important just to be inspired by this story, not just for property investing or not just for this specific opportunity, but, yeah. but uh, in your own business, is there anything you're not thinking about the mm. right way yeah. that's inefficient in, in the gains that you're trying to get? Things we just take for granted. Mm. Yep. Exactly. Yep, absolutely. Cool. That's and, great. I, mean, I have to say that there is an opportunity in the, in the business market too, which is what I've started <laughs> seeing come through. We've had a few uh, businesses come through and asking us for loans so you know, to do this kind of stuff. So and um, they just basically provide property as a security. So wow. it definitely can work in all sorts of ways. It doesn't yeah. have to be just development, but that's been our bread and butter. Yeah. There's a, there's a big gap in the um, startup capital sort of sort of area. And, and, yeah. It is going to be more and more difficult. And I was having this conversation with someone the other day is that as more and more young people go to start businesses, it's hard to get a loan to, mm-hmm. to, to start something, right? Yeah. But what is, you know, uh, young people these days in a less proportion to what it used to be own property because it's getting harder for them to enter. So True. that startup mm-hmm. funding is actually a lot harder now. But as you're saying, even, you know, you guys still need it to be secured against something. Yeah. The banks require yeah. it to be secured against something. So there's a gap there. I'm not sure how to fill it, but... Uh, but yeah, interesting, interesting. All right, well, thanks Very so cool. much for, for you know, telling us about these uh, alternative strategies here. Let's uh, yeah. finish up the main topic and just quickly, other things, Tim? Uh, other thing for me, I've started watching a Disney Plus show called Only Murders in the Building. Ah, I like that, Steve Very Martin. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> it's, I like that show. It's fun. Like they start a podcast, uh, a <laughs> true crime podcast. Oh. Yeah. True, yeah. <laughs> Um, so they that, think they can solve the real murder in their building. Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. It's good. Yeah, Dan, what have you got? <sighs> My other thing today is um, is uh, oh, I did uh, suits, suits P- specifically uh, country road. <laughs> what? Oh right. Because <laughs> okay. All right then. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought you meant the TV show suits. Not the TV yeah, show suits. Because we too. just we just hired someone named Harvey. Shout mm. out to Harvey if you listen to the podcast. Good on you. That's that successful start to your career at uh, Cats Accountants. But yeah. yeah, Harvey Specter. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought you meant. No, no, not not that. Just actual suits. But no. um, that was just one other thing. Just because I got one and I'm happy about it. The, the, the other real, the other real thing is I don't sure if I've said this before. Uh, Last Man on Earth. Have I used this one before? Maybe. It's a TV show. Oh yeah, maybe years ago. Yeah, though. so it's a TV ago. show. That I, it's a great show. I've just gotten back to it. I'm into like the third season. It's funny. It is so funny. He yeah. is the most frustrating person, oh. especially the first two seasons. The third, he's pretty good. Oh, is he? He's like calmed down a bit. Yeah. But it's just such a good show. <laughs> it's just so funny. Have, have you seen it, Tyrone? No, I haven't. I, I, I have seen the trailers for it yeah. and it looks like a very good show, but I haven't watched it before. It's yeah, hilarious. it's so good. It's just such a good idea as well that he's the last man on earth 
or so he thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just everything that they do is just it's funny. Up. It's great. I won't spoil it, but there's a there's a funny moment in the second season where uh, somebody who's been, let's just say, far away. I don't know how many seasons you've yeah, seen, Tim. Absolutely. It's been far away. Spends the entire season trying to make his way back. Yeah. He does. And it turns out they're like, instantly hating each other again yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like yeah. all pettiness from yeah. the world before is still there it's so funny Definitely. anyway yeah, it's uh, so petty tyron do you have another other thing something you're gonna recommend yeah i um this will probably be a culture shock for a lot of people i and i'll tell you the reason why i watch these it's korean dramas and, oh um, nice cool <laughs> the reason why i watch it is is because as you know um a lot of our podcast is based on stories and we also share a lot of content about different case studies and stories about our investors and stuff like that. And I guess people love reading, you know, success stories from rags to riches. Also, they like reading stories where people have, you know, built a multi-million dollar portfolio, but you know, they also want to read about what's been the sort of worst scenario or mm. what's happened to them that they've made a lot of mistakes. Cause it's no fun reading a story that's, yeah, you know, it's built 10 for uh, properties in his portfolio. And it's great. You know, yeah. it's pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> but they wanna know, you know, juicy bits like, you know, True. one of the house burnt down the other time they had claimed <laughs> yeah. insurance on that. Well, and I have had stories like that, you know, oh. and I've had people had motorcycles, like Harvey Davidson and the uh, Bucky gang come to the house and oh. crash it and you know, have a red cross there with blood on it. Oh, like, oh my gosh. Oh my Those God. Those are the kind of stories that wow. like, people love and sit on the edge of their seat. Yeah. Um, but coming back to the reason why I like Korean dramas and, and this particular show I'm, I'm going to share, it's, it's on Netflix. It's called cool. The Penthouse. Okay. And it's a, it's a three season one. For some, Somehow I picked it up by just, you know, randomly scrolling through and I thought, oh, I, I'm looking for a really good um let's say thriller, yeah. a Korean drama thriller. Yeah. Cause I like those because there's a lot of suspense in it. Yeah. But what I love about this particular show is that there's a lot of cliffhangers, you know, uh. the, the, the producer, the, the pers- person that came with the plot and the story, it just leaves you hanging. Cool. Every episode, <laughs> it's which makes it so difficult for me. Sucks to you into the next one. Yeah. <laughs> You're still going. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is my wife recently. This is my TV show. I almost like TV shows better because there's yeah. that cl- regular cliffhanger yeah, yeah. at the end of each episode. Whereas yeah. a movie, yeah, just dance. that cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, done. And after an hour, and it's surprising how long each episode can go for. Like these ones go for an hour and about ten minutes or so. Wow. And every episode at the end, they leave you thinking, "Man, what's going to happen next?" That's and awesome. You have to watch the next one to, to do it. Oh, it's like Game of Thrones. It. Obviously, they've done yeah. like nine seasons or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's why it's been so successful. Yeah. But the reason why I like watching these kind of drama shows is because you learn something from it. Not learning about killing people and thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> but you learn about how they write stories because yeah. that's how we kind of tell stories in, in I guess, our life. Because True. if you learn how to tell a good story, yeah. people are on the edge and, and really get excited. That's cool. So something different, you know. I like that. I like it. I'm a big fan of that. Huge fan mm-hmm. of Korean film, but also I like yep. that you're taking it a step further and you're like bringing that obviously back into say your podcast and your business and learning how to communicate things and give people cliffhangers. Yeah. So I, I, I really need to like send send clients an email and say your tax bill this year is dot dot dot, <laughs> and then and then schedule an email to come later that day and I'll just be like hooked. They'll be so hooked. Yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> on next episode of the podcast, Tim, you'll be learning an even better alternative strategy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, yeah. If you want to get in touch, uh, two drunk podcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on all the socials at two drunk accountants. Uh, Tyrone, where can they find you in the podcast? 
Yep. Thanks, guys, for that. Uh, you can search on propertyinvestory.com. That's where it is. Or you can search on po- a property podcast on iTunes, which we usually come up at the top. Mm, um, nice. If you want to know how to spell property investor, it's just property investor with a Y at the end. <laughs> and uh, feel free to just mm. reach out. Um, plenty of content on our sites and any information you'd like to just check it out on the website. Yeah, oh, brilliant. So, so if you've got a website, I'll go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it, it should pop up. Number one podcast on property podcast on iTunes. Uh, and as I said before, uh, we are the number one uh, small business accounting based podcast on the Central Coast. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're e- e- equal, equally, equally big there. So thank you for listening, everybody. And we will. Thanks, Tyrone. Calculate it. Calculate it. Thank you.